It's time to lead the people. The show for aspiring leaders at every level. If you want to boost your self-confidence, get noticed, and maximize your impact by leading others, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Matt Pepsel. Ready to lead? Follow me. My very special guest today is considered one of today's most influential thought leaders in education and transformative thinking. Forbes named her one of the top five edupreneurs to watch. She's the author of nine books on education, including Genius Matters and Classroom Habitudes. And as a speaker and a catalyst for change, she's helping leaders across all industries find new ways to ignite the genius of their people. She is Angela Myers. Welcome to the show, Angela. Well, hi, Matt. Thanks so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. I really appreciate it. I've been really excited to talk to you. I'm <laughs> on education. I consider myself a lifelong learner, and it's just fantastic to be able to talk to you today. I'm, I'm equally thrilled. Well, I thought we might start with uh, taking a look back before we leap ahead to yeah. now and what comes next. So in 2011, you had delivered a TED Talk with a simple <laughs> but powerful title. It was You Matter. And I'm going to link to the TED Talk in the show notes. Okay. But my question for you is that as leaders, my podcast is all about leadership. As leaders, why sometimes don't we feel like we matter? And how can we best reaffirm that we do? Yeah. Well, we've been told since, so if you talk to a five-year-old, they don't have trouble with this topic at all. So what's really important is to know that we were born recognizing that we matter. And then somehow we have um, either been educated out or there's a narrative around that, no, you're not so special. And that when, when I say you matter, this isn't about giving everybody a trophy. This isn't about saying you don't have responsibility. It is not a statement of inspiration. It is a call to action. It is our deepest human truth that, that we were created for significance. And, and denying that doesn't only impact our lives, it impacts the world. Because people that have um, made an impact, inspired change, um, led lives that, that had, had force and impact, absolutely knew that they mattered, that they have a role, that they can't sit back and be passive and, and wait for someone else to, to do the work that, that they or others around them are capable of. And that is the greatest danger for our humanity, for our education, for our businesses. When people don't feel like they matter, they become everything from apathetic to angry and everything in between. It probably does start at a pretty early age too. I know that when you start realizing like I'm different from you or, or some of that and, and that, that type of insignificance, it's terrible to see it, you know, really kind of come out of those kids at such a young age. Yes. And then carry with them all the way to adulthood. Yeah. So, some of my favorite stories are people who overcome some of those right. initial feelings of, of not being you know, worthy, but then overcoming that and going on to do great things. Those are- Absolutely. But it is unfortunate that we have to do that. Like you said, nope. I have to kind of go through that. Absolutely. One way to get the ego part out of it is to look at mattering as an essential need. So we don't question one another. It is what defines our humanness. What defines our humanity is that human beings need certain things, biologically need certain things, food, water, shelter, air. Equally, human beings- as a species need to know they matter. They need to feel seen, they need to feel heard, they need to feel value and of value, and they need to understand and be able to express their essentialness. So that is not an ego thing, that's a DNA thing. We do not come to the world as full and fierce when those things are absent. In the same way we don't come to the world 
as full and fierce when we haven't slept, when we aren't eating right, when we're not taking care of our physical needs. This is our emotional DNA that we're talking about. Okay, I didn't expect that. So <laughs> you just went right to the to the crux of it. It, it really, man, it really resonated with me because you know I I know you know we hear often about like Maslow's hierarchy of needs and understanding yeah. things, and there are those social needs, but I hadn't really made that connection before that you know feeling significant, feeling that you do matter, mattering to your point, experience as a need, and if that need doesn't get met, we know all the bad things right. that can happen. That's right, a hundred percent. Yes. And, and whether you are an employer or you're an educator or you're just a fellow human being, there is a difference. You can feel it, you can see it, it is palpable and quantifiable. When people don't bring their best self to the world or to the work, everyone suffers. It's not just a singular suffering, like I, I am struggling with my significance. It affects productivity, it affects um, process, it affects, um, how you interact with other people. So this is not like a warm, fuzzy concept. This is this is a biological human needs understanding and concept. Wow. So in, in this case, so my question was about how do we reaffirm that we matter? Your point is yeah. you don't have to because the reality yeah. is just accept the truth that this That's is a, exactly right. a biological need that you, you're going to experience it. And That's right. You know, so, so now then, so my, my next question was gonna be, I love the term mattering as a verb. How do we impart that type of mattering then to, you know, the people that we work with day to day? Because a lot of times you might see, for example, exactly what you said, they, they, they don't feel like they matter. But now as a leader, right. as a, just as a, as a citizen here, I, I want to make sure that they know that they do. So how does that work? Absolutely. So recognizing that mattering is a choice on all ends. It's not an event. It's not mm -hmm. a statement. It's not an activity. Um, we don't just matter one day and not the other. So in the same way we um, honor and bring dignity to our other human needs, everything from the schedule that we keep, what do we, what do we attend to, what do we adjust for? So you have a lunch break for a reason. It's not because the employer is trying to be nice, but if you make your people go hungry all day, it's gonna impact their energy, it's gonna impact their productivity. The reason you have drinking fountains all over is because human beings need fuel and water. And so you provide that. So if you look at this from a human needs perspective, you will not biologically will not get the best of the people that you work with and work for. If you don't address in the environment on a daily basis, these essential needs. So do you emphasize and model that people need to be feel seen and heard? Do you emphasize and model that people need to feel valued and recognized and appreciated. These aren't niceties. Employee recognition, employee engagement, if you want the best out of human beings, they need to know they matter, period. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that totally. And, and when I'm doing work inside organizations, a lot of times you know, I really fixate on you, you think about performance of people a lot, but think about their experience too. Absolutely. And, and they go hand in hand. They're not like, I have to have That's one right. or the other. It's, it, it's, That's right. I can totally see where you're coming and saying that if my people feel that they matter, they matter right. to me, to the mission, to the work That's that we're right. doing, just as a fundamental human right, exactly. then performance and experience will follow suit. Absolutely. And profits. I will add profits. Yeah. So when you look at the most profitable companies or the most profitable brands, the ones that we talk about all the time, Starbucks, Zappos, um, Google even, 
there, it isn't just about talent. It's how people feel at the job. And I don't mean you need to put a slide in or have a foosball table in your office, but where they feel like they're a part of something, they feel valued. And the companies that, um, that do it all the way through to where the frontline person taking, you know, the, um, you know, taking the incoming sales calls to the people in customer service, to the people that are boxing the product to go out to the CEO, there is no differentiation in what they need. And if any part of that falls short, it affects the whole company. So, and, and these organizations don't make secret that that's their priority. So you can't, like I'll take Zappos, you can't deliver happiness if the people that are working for you at every level aren't, aren't feeling like people are happy to see them or, or need them. So that's, that's the testament of a really powerful culture of mattering is how does your lowest paid employee feel about the company? Wow. And that tells you everything. Yeah. And, and, and you've taken me to the next level again here, because a lot of times we talk about psychological safety and people have right. safety needs. And if I don't Absolutely. feel safe, then I can't do my best work. But that's right. insufficient in your model here right. saying that you can feel safe, but it doesn't mean that you're making me feel like I'm mad. Right. That's, that's right. Next level. Feeling safe is a huge part of it. Feeling safe is significant. That's your food, water, shelter, air, you know, psychological, physical needs and psychological needs. But mattering is linked to to worthiness and value and performance and people that feel that their work is essential, that they would be missed if they weren't there, that they are significant. And it doesn't have to be to the CEO. AstraZeneca just did a huge presentation at the Work Human Conference and their new initiative of um, employees recognizing each other, peer-to-peer -peer recognition. When, when it was not even related to work, their, their productivity, their talent, all of that went up, including the economics associated with that. And it was just because it allowed some time and space in there and it actually rewarded employees for um, recognizing, honoring, um, showing, showing dignity and compassion to each other on non-related things. That was like the big um, revelation is that it didn't need to be associated with work. It is about our humanity at its core. These are the elements that make up what defines us as human beings. Taking those away, we start acting like our humanness doesn't matter. And that's when we check out. That's when we're um, disrespectful to people. That's when, when chaos um, arises, whether that's internal chaos or you know, you, I, I think it's a huge wake up call to know HBR just did, um, I think in our, I think it was HBR about two weeks ago, did the back to work report where 80% of the American workforce didn't have any interest in going back to work. There, that's a huge part, not just because of the commute, but because of mattering. People don't quit jobs um, because of the job. They quit jobs because of other human beings. Wow. and how they feel around them and with them. Well, I would miss my team if they weren't around. They're, they're good at all the things that I'm terrible at. And uh, I know, and I, mean, I feel the exact same way. They and absolutely the matter. Yeah, and that's the best part of the team to feel like that you show up even when you don't wanna show up 
when you know other people are counting on you, appreciate you, recognize you. That's the deepest driver of human behavior is mm -hmm. to be needed and essential to someone else. And, and it doesn't have to be essential to the highest component part of the company, the CEO or the VP. It is absolutely to just one other human being at that to know that you're, you are servicing them, that you are essential and, and appreciated and needed by them. So you started to hit on this when you talked about this most recent uh, HBR yeah. stat and, and returning to work. But, um, you know, it's been 10 years since that TED Talk in, in yeah. 2021, <laughs> uh, just, just yeah. within from the understatement department, the world has changed pretty dramatically, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So when you think about mattering and maybe threats to mattering almost, what yeah. ends up with this, you know, quote unquote, new normal? Like, how, yeah. how is it affecting people? What, what sort of challenges are we facing today that we just didn't not that long ago? So I think pandemics or chaotic events reveal not only our vulnerabilities as human being, but it, it reminds us of our necessities. So if you look at the core of whether you call it Zoom fatigue or, or what are the things that we really recognize that we value and miss? We recognize belonging. So what did we miss most? We missed human connection. We missed feeling like you belonged, we miss seeing each other, and we miss those human elements and human touches. Feeling seen, feeling heard, feeling valuable, a part of a team. Those were not necessarily just because of the pandemic. People have been feeling like that at work and in the world for a very, very long time. And what the pandemic did is it took the cover off. It revealed that going back to normal doesn't mean going back to better. Going back to new means we can take these missing pieces and be more conscious and conscientious of adding them in. And I think some people are voting to not go back to their former employers at all. That's right, there yeah, was 100%. This, this sort of, yeah, pent up sort of frustration about how they were treated, how they were insignificant, That's right. perhaps. That's right. And so then as soon as it became safe to look for work through the great resignation, we saw many workers who said, That's right. I'm going to go look. Not and, worth uh, it. That's it's right. not worth it. And and I can only imagine that that employers who made them feel like the work you're going to come do here at this new that's place, right. shiny new work, is that's going right. to be significant and matter to us. And that's got to be pretty tempting to somebody who feels like I've been stripped bare by the pandemic. That's I'm right. Not appreciated. So I'm that's right. Why? I retire early. So this isn't just a a physical crisis. This is we have been in a crisis of meaning for a long time. And what we've had, like never before in our history, in my lifetime, we've had a year and a half to think about the meaning and significance of our life, to really think about what our values are, what matters most, what we missed, what we need, things that kind of we've always known, but we didn't um, we didn't attack head on because we've never had the time to do that. We're in our busyness, it allowed us to keep moving forward even feeling like something's missing or something's not there or we're, we're taking the wrong path or direction. But with a year and a half that there's, you know, in total isolation, sometimes you, you get to that place that you start thinking, what, what am I doing in my life? What is my life work? Am I making the impact that I, I can make that I should be making? Do people even recognize that I am valuable. And so there's this, these questions of significance and meaning and relevance 
and impact are not ones that we sat around pondering uh, intently before the pandemic, or at least I didn't in my life. <laughs> so yeah. I think that people are waking up and they're waking up to what matters most in our world. And if, if the workforce doesn't address that in some conscious, direct way, it will be to their peril. Doggone Angela, you did it again. Yeah. You took me to the next <laughs> level. In the sense that, no, I experienced exactly the same things you're describing, but yeah. to have that phrase that you used of the crisis of meaning that we've been going yes. through for a long time and thinking that the, the pandemic itself sort of stripped away a lot of what That's was right. clouding that and you, you don't like what you see necessarily. You know, there's only so many seasons of Stranger Things you can binge before you're That's like, right. That's hey, absolutely right. The situation in my life here and I'm yes. not happy with my work and and I got to do something about it. I, I think we've seen a dramatic reshifting of priorities. Yes. And, and I think that there's a real chance that things don't just automatically go back much. Right. Although many employers would prefer it. Right. Right. Saying, oh, everybody's going to come back to work. We get back to normal. Like we That's didn't right. like that normal. Like, right. I wasn't really sitting well with us. So now we're not going to go back in that same way. That's right. And there's this twofold thing happening. There's a tendency to rewrite history in your mind as you look back, especially if you're not in a current situation that is ideal, it's it's really easy to romanticize how good normal was mm -hmm. and not realize that normal wasn't as good as it could be. And the longer that goes on, the further the gap gets with what we imagine and what is actually real. And then when real starts coming, that, oh my gosh, in one week I'm going back to the office, you start thinking about how you felt in the office and do I even wanna go back to the office or do I even wanna go back? What did I gain? What did I learn? And if it is gonna be how it was, hmm, I wasn't that happy in the first place. Like Gallup polls been coming out every year with the disengagement survey. We're talking about millions and millions of people that openly admit they are not bringing their best selves to work and what that costs the culture, the community, the company, the world. So normal wasn't like 89% of people are feeling like they matter and feeling like they are, are presenting and giving of their full selves to the world. We've been hiding. And what the pandemic did is revealed to us um, ourselves at, at our deepest, most vulnerable core. And especially when you're in a field where your identity is wrapped up into your work and then that work disappears and that position disappears, may not reappear. You start thinking like, gosh, I'm more than my job. My life is more than my job. And I have to look at that and ask myself some hard questions. We're not a self-aware society. It's not something that we value or, or teach or talk openly about, but I think the pandemic has made us more self-aware. So let me try to make a critical connection. Don't try yeah. this at home. Could we be seeing a situation where meaning is a competitive differentiator? And by that, I mean, we're competing for top talent all the time. Absolutely. And one thing the pandemic has done is it's really made remote work more feasible than ever mm -hmm. from the employer's perspective. So if I was working, let's say I was in Milwaukee and I could only apply to local jobs, I might have stayed mired in a job where I didn't mm -hmm. feel meaningful. But now if I'm getting a call from somebody halfway across the country, and they're saying, we, it's fine for you to be remote. We have lots of people who are remote. Yep. The work you're going to be doing here is meaningful. Come make meaning right. with us. Come <laughs> matter, right? Can mattering yeah. be a differentiator as you're building your team? I don't think it can. I think it is. 
and will be, and it will be more overt. I think in that, that we've seen a shift, especially with these new generations of young people, they seek out companies that have purpose, that have value, like what everything from what their carbon footprint is to whether their mission is more humanitarian or that they're doing philanthropic work. So I think that that was very, um, you know, very subtle and, and then in some fields directed, but there is, there is data saying that, you know, millennials would ask questions about what the company's values are, what they stand for, leave companies that, so that's already a part of the talent pipeline. But I think now is our chance. If you want to stand out and be different as a company, then you stand on those morals of meaning and you have to, you have to mean it. You can't be just like, we're doing this for the heck of it. So we look good in the public. It has to be, that has always been a differentiator for me for companies, for collaborations that not only is there integrity there, but is there a higher purpose there? That is a deep driver of human behavior. People want to belong to something. They want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. If you can fulfill that as a company, then you have a workforce that will stay with you. They'll stay through any differentiation or iteration of change that moves forward. I think it's spot on. I think that you're just nailing exactly what I see every day, especially with early yep. career people. Yes. Uh, you know, with millennials, it started. Uh, certainly with Gen Z, we've seen a continuation of it. And yep. uh, and meaning is important. And, and you know what? Good. Good for yeah. the, the latest, latest generation to fight for something that's, you know, th this fundamental human need, like you said. That's it's right. Like, we experience this and we're not going to pretend that we don't. So that's give right. us meaning or else, you know, we're going to we're going to look somewhere else. And it doesn't have to be meaning just in the fact of a socially conscious thing. There are jobs that can be meaningful, are meaningful based on your role in it. Mm -hmm. And the work that you're doing is good work. You don't have to be in this like humanitarian, we're gonna go build libraries in a third world country kind of company. There are companies that produce product, like think about lumber where, where you don't see like this like deep, now you do because lumber is so expensive, but it is, it is about um, what about the company? What about the culture? What about how you're treated? What about how you're viewed allows you to bring your best self to work? So I did this um, right after the TED talk. I did this large research study um, where we interviewed 500,000 students, a half a million kids and asked them one question. What would make you run to work? I'm sorry, what would make you run to school? And when we, we set out what those parameters were, they universally said, we just wanna matter. We wanna do work that matters. And so then the second phase of the study was, what is one action or behavior that would communicate or assure you that you did matter and that the work you were doing mattered? And it broke down to very fundamental things that you wouldn't even think made a significant difference if somebody smiled at me if someone said my name, if someone looked at me and took a moment to recognize when I walked into the room or when I showed up, because you don't know what it takes to get to that point, to deeper things like I want to be challenged, I, wanted, I want to be believed in, I want to be trusted, I wanna do hard things, believe it or not. Kids ask for hard things because that shows that you believe in them when you offer hard, challenging problems for them to be a part of. 
So then I worked with um, the largest employee engagement network online. It, we did this virtually. Um, and we asked 23,000 workers across 16 different domains that same question, make you run to work. And we put those two elements side by side, almost in order as if it was a hierarchy. If I was appreciated, if I was recognized, uh -huh. if I was helped, if I was challenged, if I was trusted, if I was believed in, showing that this is a human DNA level need. This is not a positional need. It's not an economic need. It's not a gender need. It's not an age need that it is like food, water, shelter, air. I don't care how old you are. You're not going to survive without those things. You will not survive at the fullest level of survive without those things. Fabulous. I love it. Yeah. I, it was actually your work with, um, with in classrooms and with students, mm. you know, I saw 78,000 classrooms. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Unbelievable. It was actually the inspiration for a game that I wrote for you. Yes. Oh, yay. I'm so, I love games. So you remember this one? I call this okay. game. I call it from school to screen, school to screen. And so the challenge for you and I is can okay. you name 10 movies or TV shows that center around Ooh. kids in the classroom? So it doesn't matter when it was, Ooh. TV or movie. And uh, we'll, we'll take turns going back and forth. Okay. And see if we can get to 10. You, you want to go first? Perfect. Yes. Goodwill right. Hunting. Goodwill Hunting. Yes. Perfect. I love that one. Um, I'll go old school and I'll do, uh, okay. well, I need a ruling from you. What about Greece? They were, they were kids in high yes. school. Yeah, yeah you're now. right. Uh, oh. Okay. Well, not even thinking it doesn't even have to be education related. Um, there's a, uh, Julia Roberts movie called Mona, Le Mona Lisa sings or Mona, Mona Lisa. Smiles, I believe. Yeah. Yes. That's Mona in a yeah. Mona okay. Lisa smiles. Yeah. Nice. Um, what was the one with Fred Savage? It was like a, a boy. The Wonder Years. Boy, Wonder Years was one too with Winnie, but um, oh no, I'm thinking of a different kid. Uh, uh, yeah. Boy Meets World. Boy Meets World. Oh yeah, Boy Meets World. TV. I like um, TV too. Okay, school to screen. Um, okay, there's so many of these. Um, you could even say Animal House. You actually could. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yes, that's part of school. College oh, counts. Not quite, but well, that counts. We could say yeah. the same genre and go with old school. Old school. Yeah, absolutely. Old school. Um, gosh, what's another one? Um, there's a, there's a movie called the Ron Clark story and it's yeah. just about, about an educator in, you know, could say that you could even go an aspect of school, not just education, but you could go to what's the one with Sandra Bullock where she adopts, um, the football player oh, yeah, and helps guide them. Yeah. Yeah. That the blind one. Side. That's a great yeah, one. The blind side. Yep. That one. And then, um, well, who could forget Zach Efron, Dreamy, right? High school That's musical. That's right. Let's go That's high right. School high school. Right. Exactly. High school musical. Yes. One yes, more. yes. 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 We're almost good. We got it. Okay. One more. Oh my gosh. There's so many. Like there's, no. um, for me, I'm thinking that there's another Robin Williams one that is. Oh, um, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Oh, Captain, my captain. It, Yes, Captain, my Captain. Was, what uh, is that? Dead Poets Society. Dead Poets Society. I'm like, Great that is the, that's the chord. My hey, captain, yeah. my Captain. Right. I, we did it. Finishing on a high note. I think it's probably an Oscar winner. That's right. I think so too. That that's great. Fabulous. I love that game. It's cool to screen. We crushed it. <laughs> we crushed it. Absolutely. So, Angela, my last question for you where can my listeners go to learn more about you and your work? 
So if you forget my name, just type in You Matter and you can get to everything. But it's just my name everywhere on every platform except TikTok. I will not be dancing. I will not be singing at all. Um, but every other platform is just at Angela Myers. So, I love it. I love it. I'll yeah. include those are the links in the show notes, the episode notes as well. So people don't have to go far to find you. That's great. Awesome. Matt, you rock. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. You matter. Absolutely. I'm so honored. Thank you. Here are my massively meaningful top three takeaways from today's episode. One, mattering is essential. More than a mere nice to have, mattering is a fundamental need that must be met for ourselves and for those we lead. Two, mattering makes business sense. Even beyond the human interest aspects, making sure our people feel they matter boosts their productivity and their performance. Three, Priorities have shifted. The pandemic has sent millions of workers looking for greater meaning from new employers. Now's a great time to make sure your team members know they matter. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider hitting the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. Thanks for making this investment your leadership ability, and thanks for sharing this podcast with another aspiring leader who needs to hear it. All right, leaders, till next time, don't just manage the business when you can lead the people. School is great. We crushed it. <laughs> we crushed it. Absolutely.